This is episode number 216 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hey there, welcome back. This is Noelle Tarr, nutritional therapy practitioner and certified personal trainer. I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be focusing on some thoughtful questions and topics that I think are going to be really important for us to to discuss around the desire to change your body and what to do with those feelings within the context of all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, pursuing self-love, leaving the culture of dieting behind. So what do you do with those feelings? Is it wrong or bad to feel that specific way? And should you feel shame for wanting to change your body? So before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsors first, Fabletics. We are so thankful that they are supporting us long term. Uh, They're a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone because of its exceptional price point. And not only do I love the price point on these leggings, I also love how they fit and the styles and the prints. They are super comfortable. I have been so impressed. I didn't expect them to be as well-fitted and soft and comfortable as they are, but they have all different kinds of fits, including more compressive fits with seamless fabrics that are butter on the skin, which is what I typically like to have. And they have sizes for a wide variety of body shapes and sizes, including plus sizes. So go to fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. You'll get two pairs of leggings for $24 when you join the VIP program. Make sure to fill out the personalized quiz that comes up so that they can curate the styles and the sizes that are right for you. I found that very helpful. And then if you put in your email, it'll save it all and send you your personalized, like, curated choices. But what it'll do, too, is is curate that on the website so that you can shop only the styles and the sizes that are yours or are more customized to you. Uh, Fabletics also releases brand new styles and collections and prints every month. So if you become a VIP member, you'll get that 50% off regular pricing, instant access to all the latest collections. And I've asked around to a lot of people and people absolutely love it. So fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. Second quick announcement is about the NTA, the Nutritional Therapy Association. As you heard, I'm an NTP, which is a nutritional therapy practitioner. And if you go to uh, nutritionaltherapy.com, you'll see that they have two programs. It's the NTP program, which certifies, certifies nutritional therapy practitioners, and then the NTC program, which is fully online and certifies you to be a nutritional therapy consultant. And I went through this program five years ago, and it was a pivotal moment for me in my life that ultimately resulted in coconuts and kettlebells and, you know, my business. And I, I really... I think the program is one of the highest quality programs you can go through to get certified in uh, nutrition and learn foundational holistic principles in nutrition, learning how to restore balance to the body by enhancing its enhancing its ability to heal and function properly. That's what the thing that I loved about the program was it wasn't all this. It wasn't super complicated and it didn't make you feel like I have so much to learn. They really did it in a nice systematic way where we start with found you start with foundations and then you build from there. And so that's going to help you be able to help yourself, your family members and or clients if that's what you choose to do. 
So it's a nine-month program. It's definitely doable. May is when the new sessions start up, and they're uh, in the U.S. and also in Australia. So if you want to do the NTP program, you can actually travel to those locations to do your workshops. But if not, you can do the NTC program. So go to nutritionaltherapy.com to learn more. Check out the course catalog. I have a whole blog post on my experience and why I chose this program. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and then when you sign up, be sure to put well-fed women in the referral section and you'll get coconuts and kettlebells as a, <laughs> as a prize. Uh, we'll send you that assigned copy of the book for free. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> I didn't ask you, do you have any like sort of tea you're sipping on or what's going on? Yes, I am now an avid. <laughs> that was Noelle sipping, that was by me. the way. That, sound that was my heard. coffee. <laughs> My goodness. For me, <laughs> listening to people sip their coffee in the library. Ugh. Oh, is it one of those nails on a chalkboard things? Yeah. Or there are some people who drink their water very quickly. Oh, I do like know water that. water guzzlers. They yes. pick up the water bottle really fast, suck it, and then <laughs> like slam it down on their desk. <laughs> that's the That's the craziest the craziest thing for me uh yes so i am now an avid green tea drinker all day every day it's green tea and i know you're doing okay with caffeine i go i can take naps after i drink green tea like wow stuff is real yeah here i am 2019 four months into 2019 (laughs) drinking your green tea here i am yay that's cool do you feel the effects of the caffeine from the tea or no not so much on the green tea, but my college serves black tea and coffee with lunch. And occasionally I'll get a little cup of that and that I feel and I really enjoy it, which I think I talked about the last time ages ago, basically years ago I was on the show. But <laughs> like, I miss Noelle. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, I'm yeah, okay. sure you do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, no, it's good. I, I don't really I don't really get high on the green tea caffeine train but i do love i think it helps i don't know i think it makes me feel better i'm sure that's a placebo effect but i think it makes me feel better and i think it helps me sleep better at night i think that l-theanine which is in green tea is pretty helpful so i'm all about it yay well i'm all about it too we haven't we we haven't talked in a while because we did it was a long time ago that recorded last time and then I recorded a couple interviews. I've been, of course, bulk recording, <laughs> trying to prepare for this mm-hmm. baby leave. And yeah, when you go, like, a lot of, lots can happen in a few weeks. So, yeah. 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 How's it so going? With, with I the, am the same. You're the same. <laughs> I, I swear, <laughs> I, I was trying to think if I had something cool, I could say that it happened between our last recording and now and I'm like I did give a talk at Oxford this was my first time giving a seminar here on my academic work and it went really well which Mm. was cool Uh, it's now up on YouTube if you want to go you can just google me go watch it but yeah so that was cool and that was my first time presenting the ideas for my next book in a public forum and people seemed really responsive so yeah but that's pretty much it that's cool on the YouTube on the YouTube, I know. <laughs> I put subtitles on it and everything. So, <laughs> did you get nervous before you did it? I was a little bit, 
but I also mostly because I, I just it wasn't something that I had talked about a lot, right? I could give a speech about PCOS in public in my sleep. You know, you could you could roll me out there in my sleep and, and say three, two, one, go, and I would like talk about PCOS in my sleep because that's how practiced I am with it, right? But this this content was a little bit less practiced, so I was I was a little bit nerve. What what would Noel say? Nerves, like struggs. I was a little bit struggs, but just a little bit. And it was fine, and I was you know, kind of funny. So yeah, it was uh, good. Yeah, I do. It's an interesting. I don't know. I, okay, so I've been watching this Netflix documentary. I just watched it last night. It's called "I Dream of Dance," and I think you'd really like it. But it it's more about the competitive side of dance and. I was thinking back to my, and I don't know if it would be super interesting to people who maybe aren't in that world, but to me it is. It's just, I love learning about other, I don't want to say other, like, people's worlds, but, you know, people who are in competitive dance, it's their entire life. life. And so it's really interesting to me to see just how involved they are and what their life looks like and how it's set up. And so anyway... I was watching this documentary. It ended up being this woman is based in Virginia Beach, which is where I grew up, and I took dance, and I was part of a company. And I was thinking back to... It gave me all the feels because it made me feel the way that I did when I was younger about dance, which is, you know, I I was totally in love with it. But what I loved about it was the performance aspect. was like being on stage and doing plays and doing productions and that sort of thing. And so kind of and I I don't know it just makes me kind of think a little bit I'm like well yeah so I went into cheerleading and that's what I love to do is compete and to kind of be on that quote-unquote stage and we we did go to national competitions and stuff like that in in college and that was my favorite part of it and I think that that is why I kind of like doing talks on stage too is because it's an it's an ability like I don't know it's an opportunity for me to present and talk about something I'm passionate about or do something I'm passionate about, but also still sort of get that little performance aspect of it. But I still, it's, you still don't, like, I still get nervous. You know what I mean? Like, you still get a little butterfly-y. But then when you're up there, you're totally fine, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, and you feel cool. (laughs) Cool and confident. That's important. Yeah, Yeah, you feel cool. Yeah, like, it just kind of flows from there. And once people are interacting with you when you're up there it's it's a lot better but yeah it it did help that I (laughs) I had a glass of wine so there was a guy who spoke before me about the economy and it was a very nice talk and they at Oxford you can get free wine at every single event you go to so I had a glass of wine while I was talking and I hadn't eaten all day and (laughs) he would say a joke and I would giggle really loudly, but I would be the only person in the room, like, giggling really loudly, which made me realize that I was maybe a little bit tipsy already. Oh, no. Did it help, which, though? It was great. It was okay, great. Good. I actually think it it didn't hinder me at all and did probably help a little bit. It prevented me from doing that thing while he was talking and getting worried beforehand. That's funny. You should watch a documentary, though. I think you'd really love it. It was. Yeah, I think so. It made me cry. Take me back. Take me back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... it it's cool. It's one of those things where, I don't know, I, I like documentaries in general, and Netflix does them so well. Pe- mm-hmm. Well, the Netflix documentaries are always done really well. It always are tear jerkers, but that just could be because I'm pregnant. A mom. <laughs> I think so. It's like, Wait, why am question. I crying? Yes. Question. 
do you think, do you have any inclinations about what kind of activities Stella might want to do? Yeah, I actually saw... <laughs> So funny. Oh so no, but what? So watching that last night made me think, oh my gosh, Stella would love this. Like she would absolutely <laughs> love this. She would love being on stage. Yeah. So I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I've vacillated back and forth, but I do think body control is really important to teach early on mm. and body awareness. And that comes from gymna- both gymnastics and ballet. And I right. that's what I loved about m- my upbringing in ballet was that awareness of body control and and how to move and how to engage and i so i don't know <laughs> i don't know i'm like oh no one more thing to do i just need to find her like you know help her find what she wants to do and what she likes but also right. that's going to be me researching all of the resources in this area so, yeah. yeah, she's a very outgoing, very active, very loves being in front of people kind of person. If all these people are, if, so we, my grandma, I don't know if you saw this, my grandmother recently passed away mm-hmm. and I went home for, I went quote unquote home. I went to Southern Virginia where my grandmother grew up. She had, she lived on the same, in the same, on the same farm for her entire life. And my mom was born and raised there and everything so to me it feels like the only stable home because we moved like 19 times when i was a kid but so we went back to southern virginia and all of my family was there and a lot of them haven't seen her since she's been you know four or five months old and so she's sitting in a chair and this is like in the church after the funeral and like everybody's kind of around her my cousins and uncles and aunts and she's just like she just loved it every second. She was like, look at me with this ice cube and look at me with this cup. So it really was hilarious to me that she, I mean, she could have cared less where I was. She was just more about being in front of everybody else. So, yeah, so I think, I think that she might, I think that she might. I mean, I loved, I, I was a very outgoing kid, but I loved dance because a lot of people assume that dance is more something, you know, that is, that is a quieter kind of art and it is but at the same time it's very it's not at all you know so and it's morning so we're still still have this like groggy voice i'm sorry i'm trying over here i'm trying but yeah so that's so all the things things have happened it's been a it's been a long few weeks over here i'm still trying to catch my breath come up for air um i don't i haven't officially announced this but my husband was diagnosed with hashimoto's which yeah i know so random that's so random. So random. He is like my rock, but also like n- just nothing affects him. And right. he's like kind of invincible. So we just did like routine. Let's do all your blood markers and see, you know, or like take a bunch of tests and see what's going on. Let's just, you know, run a bunch of blood work. And yeah, came back. Both antibodies high. TSH was high. Everything else was relatively normal, but... So he said just means you got it kind of early. I think so. And he's asymptomatic. No, I mean no symptoms whatsoever. So it's been it's been a little confusing for me to know how to navigate it all and what to do with the information. Mm-hmm. Um we do have some guidance. I've been talking about it a little bit more on Instagram and I have been saving our re- like when I do talk about it in stories and stuff, I've been saving it so that people can know what we're doing, but you know, it's I'm still trying to figure it all out um it's very odd for me to deal with a man having Hashimoto's but also 
it's a really difficult time. It's been a really hard season of life with Mm -hmm. just, you know, my back pain and coming back and being this pregnant and managing a toddler and then his Hashimoto's and then my grandmother dying. It's like, it was, I I think that this is usually when I'm in survival mode, which I guess I sort of am, Mm -hmm. but with food. You know, you're you're in survival mode with food when you're those last few months of pregnancy and then postpartum. And I was planning on, like, cooking a bunch of meals and stuff. And then it was like, oh, gosh, he has Hashimoto's. Well, we have to, like, cook in a completely different way. And I, I've i always understood that. And I know with the AIP, we are following the AIP protocol right now. I am not completely. I'm still doing rice and, and eggs. But at the same time, I have to cook all these meals. And so if I'm cooking a meat... I mean, homeboy eats a lot. So I used mm-hmm. to throw potatoes in the oven or cook a big thing of rice or whatever, and now I can't. And I have to find alternatives. So there's many times where I'm cooking things for Stella and I, and then I have to cook something slightly different, like an additional veggie or whatever for him. And so we're very much so in not what what I wouldn't recommend to clients to start an elimination <laughs> diet <laughs> that is not perfect for this. But what we're doing basically is AIP and we're going to retest his blood work in six weeks. So and see what happens, see if the antibodies go down and, and all the things, but not doing nightshades, not doing black pepper, which is a new kind of thing. I didn't quite realize that black pepper was no, no longer AIP, not doing eggs, not doing nuts and seeds, which is, is a huge part of his calories is been a challenge for him. And it's he is very he's a big eater so challenges and then traveling oh. for my grandmother and all that it, it was a little hard to be like oh crap we got to leave tomorrow and i don't have any food like we're not gonna be able to find any food in southern virginia and no. it's literally in the middle of nowhere so which is the only thing available is you know chick-fil-a maybe um right so yeah so it's it's i'll keep everybody updated but it, it's i don't know you know, I don't know what we do from here. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how to do reintroductions with no symptoms. It's very, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's just weird. I don't know. It's just weird how it all happened. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What, do you, what do you mean you have Hashimoto's? He literally called me from the doctors and said that. And I was like, no, you don't. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is, you're joking. So anyway, uh, oh. so when we talk, you know, people email us and talk about their autoimmune diseases. I always recommend do AIP. It's not a thing you have to do for a really long time, but it is something really important to do for 60 to 90 days or until your symptoms subside, right? And then you can start these reintroduction, reintroducing foods. Sarah Ballantyne has them in phases, which I think is a, a good idea. But you reintroduce foods, and when your symptoms reappear, you can say, okay, that, that food is not good for me, but I'm in a different place here where it's... It's interesting because I'm like, well, we don't have any symptoms. So I don't know. I've been asking around. Luckily, I do have a lot of friends and people in this community who can help me. But it's still, it's, you know, it's our it's our family. It's our life. I got to figure it out. I'm also trying to have a baby. So all the things. Damn. So I'll keep everybody updated within reason. I'm trying to do it as, <laughs> trying to do it as, a, as much as I can on Instagram. But it's just hard. No, that is not your obligation at this point in time. <laughs> well, I think I'll learn a lot, which is good. You know, you learn through experience. and I th- Life never gets easier. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So just all the, all the more complicated as we get older here. Yeah. Aging is great. It's great. And at the same time, it's like, wow, we're not 
the same as we're not invincible. He used to be invincible and he's he's not. So Yeah, I had a friend get meningitis last week. She oh almost my died. Gosh. I know. Was it a and complication it, from something else or she had been traveling or something. Oh wow. And nobody really knows. But uh, our other mutual friends were like what? <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. That stuff's hard. It hits and it's life is real. Out of the like out of the blue kind of stuff like that, it's very hard for me to process. And if you think but about that's, it, <laughs> that's the only way life happens, right? I know, I know, but if if you think about it too long, it, it's so paralyzing. Yes, that's true. The fear of like the unknown is very paralyzing, and so it's something I have to deal with on a daily basis. I have to wake up. So sometimes in the middle of the night, I'm like, "No, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. It's it's you. It's not happening unless it's happening. It's not mm-hmm. happening unless it's ha- actually happening." So, anyway, <laughs> let's talk. Let's, let's talk about. Let's bodies. talk about the desire to change your body and what to do with those feelings. So we do have some really great and thoughtful questions, and I was talking to Stephanie before this. And this is going to be a really interesting discussion because I don't think a lot, (laughs) I hate to say this, but a lot of these questions, you know, we're giving our opinions and sometimes there is no right answer, right? Sometimes we have to navigate all of these things and share our opinions and share our thoughts, but you may have other thoughts. You may have other opinions and I wish we could sit down and all talk about them together, but we're going to be as thoughtful as as we can and... Yeah, talk. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's the state of the union, but we do talk about changing your body and how, what to do with those feelings, and we talk about them in different ways depending on the situation. So that's why there's no real one size fits all answer. But I do think we can talk about foundations and how we come to the conclusions that we do, how Stephanie and I come to the conclusions that we do, and the advice that we give and the opinions that we have based on some underlying principles, some foundational principles that are kind of, for me, always there. And that's kind of what I draw my opinions from. So we're going to discuss that um, in many different ways with three different questions. So question number one is from H. Hi, Noelle and Stephanie. I have some questions about shame in the intuitive eating community. Background info, a little over a year ago, I decided to stop dieting. My maintenance calories were around 1,500 at this time. I was trying to get back to my teenage early 20s pre-baby weight. I knew I had been experiencing metabolic adaptation after on and off dieting for years and was sick of eating so little and not seeing any changes. I really wanted to improve my relationship with my body and with food. By August of last year, I found the intuitive eating principles and read the intuitive eating book. I realized that I had been experiencing binge restrict on the wagon, off the wagon cycles for as long as I remember. Growing up, I was naturally muscular and lean and loved playing sports. I now realize how food behaviors and my negative body image uh, around my teens led me to these cycles and eventually dieting. I have improved my relationship with my body and food significantly. I truly believe now that I am exercising and eating based on what feels good, as well as honoring my hunger and my fullness. When I eat, I eat the foods that make me feel my feel best. I have not tracked my food, but if I were to estimate based on prior knowledge, I would say that I'm eating around 2,400 calories a day. I often feel very full very quickly and hungry again around 45 minutes later. If I eat highly... Uh, processed foods, I am often hungry in about two and a half hours. 
I honor this hunger every time, even though this is not something I would have done in the past. I've worked on loving myself and I now dis- and I am now, despite not always being comfortable in my current body size, and I have made a lot of progress. However, I have never lost the desire to lose weight, even if I can hide that desire from myself for a while. I am in a long-term relationship and marriage will be coming soon. I occasionally have thoughts of losing weight so that I can feel comfortable on my special day. I've read articles that talk about how marriage is not about body size and they do resonate with me. However, I feel this is a natural desire that I cannot get rid of as I do not want to feel like I don't look like myself. I truly feel that I have to let go of unreal that unrealistic lean and younger body that I was desiring and now wish I could just go back to how I was when I was trying to be smaller. Now that I have changed my Instagram to include intuitive eating and body positive accounts, I am feeling shame in these thoughts. I feel shame that I want to be smaller at my wedding, as of saying that I hate my body and don't believe that all bodies are beautiful. The intuitive eating community also discourages any type of food elimination unless there is a proven medical reason. When I temporarily eliminated dairy, gluten, and vegetable oils, I really felt great. I previously herniated a disc, and eliminating these foods significantly decreased my back pain, and there were many days when I had no back pain. Since then, I have gone back to having at least some amounts of back pain at all times, which often increases during weightlifting. I also feel that the intuitive eating community discusses privilege to a point where I feel like I would be doing a disservice to women if I wanted to be smaller. I've heard thin privilege mentioned to the extent that if anyone who can fit into clothing from a store is thin, I definitely don't want to come off as a victim in response to the topic of privilege, but I feel like this is rather invalidating as I don't think of myself as a thin person. I am not so sure how I feel now that I have surrounded myself with these extremes, and while I question my own reasoning for wanting to lose weight based on all that I have learned, I do feel that is a normal thing despite the negative parts that have been created by society still being an issue that exists in our world. I would really like to track my food and make sure that I'm eating enough to heal my metabolism. I have thyroid and adrenal issues that I need to address and will be seeing an integrative medical doctor, medicine doctor next month. I'm not willing to make changes that would potentially compromise my health, health, and therefore I will keep listening to my body, working on my health, and trying to get adequate sleep. However, if all of those things are in place, I would like to track mac- macros for consistency while honoring my hunger. Does this involve... This does involve a desire to lose weight. I'm wondering what you think of these black and white ways of eating. Thank you so much for all that you do. I'm so glad I found your podcast. Yeah, this is a lot. A lot of different angles. I think a lot of different things are sort of at play in what you're experiencing here. I think it's very interesting. I think so. I think a lot here is very interesting. I think it's very interesting for you personally these, you're, you called them black and white ways of eating, these sort of conflicting desires you have. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see them as having to be in conflict, but on one hand, you say that you would really like to track your macros in order to make sure that you're eating enough, but also I would really like to lose weight, right? And so I think it's very, very hard to untangle these things in terms of understanding what we want to be doing and what we feel like we should be doing. And I wonder if you feel like you should be doing this for your macros and you actually want to be doing it to be losing weight or you feel like you sh- maybe you actually shouldn't be tracking at all, but you, you're 
rationalizing doing it by saying that it's for the sake of, you know, keeping your weight and healing your metabolism. So those are some like options, but uh, I'm not sure it, it, it entirely matters what it is, right? Because you still have these two things that exist alongside each other. And what do you, what do you do about it, especially in the context of these communities? I think it's really important to surround ourselves with people who share positive values that we are trying to cultivate in ourselves. And so in that way, I think the intuitive eating communities, I think there are many different subsets of, you know, this general larger community. I think intuitive eating communities do have a lot of these values that are really helpful for us to surround ourselves with, right? And helping us feel liberated from these ideas about body standards and and what have you. But I also think that this community, along with pretty much any other community you'll find in the world, period, (laughs) I'm sure there are exceptions, but I think this is a very, very human thing. You find it across all dieting communities is the idea that if something's going wrong, you're not doing it right enough, right? You see it in vegetarianism, you see it in paleo, and these communities say that you see it in each other but not in themselves. You see it in keto, you know, you see it everywhere where if you're, if you're not getting results, then you're just not doing it enough. And there is often shame involved and humans tend to, this is a way that we operate. This is a way that we police and form communities and develop values that we share. And it's, it's really unfortunate, but what we have to do is within those communities, (laughs) seek out people who attempt to prioritize empathy and compassion and or be aware that this is something that is pretty pervasive and we'll find in a lot of places and therefore put some distance between us and anything that might make us feel shame about our feelings and cultivate that empathy and compassion for ourselves. And so what I see here with you is you love the values of this community and you want to participate in them, but you're also deeply worried about your inner feelings, which I am guessing actually a lot of people in the community actually share somewhere deep down. And you're worried about how these how these sorts of ideas are making you feel and can you express yourself and that sort of thing. As to when and how you express your ideas, that is totally context dependent and up to your judgment. But I would say that probably first and foremost, I would take these ideas about you wanting to think about your body size or thinness or whatever differently from the community, I would totally make space for that and say, look, these are my feelings. I need to unpack them and understand them. And I also think it is absolutely 100% okay to have that impulse in your head. Sometimes you might listen to it. That's okay, right? It's okay. I'm not judging you for it. Uh, I definitely do that. You know, I have that impulse and attempt to not judge myself for it. And then Uh, Also, at this at the same time, you know, sort of hold the space, hold the space for yourself and and not feel like you're wrong for the feelings that you have. I just I can't emphasize how important that is. I think I can leave it at that. I really do think that the the community's values, the kinds of values that we find around wanting to eat intuitively and wanting to be whatever body size happens to us for the sake of women I think that that's really important, but Noelle and I have said a, a million times on this podcast that we think it's okay 
to have feelings about your body and under a paradigm of prioritizing healthfulness, want to maybe do something about it. And I don't think that you should, should, I would not personally put any pressure on myself to look a particular way on my wedding day, because your person is marrying you exactly for who you are, and probably can have a conversation with them, probably almost certainly doesn't want you to go through stress to look a way that you don't currently look and don't need to look right. These are all, I think, very important ideas. But I still I understand why you might feel the impulse. And so I think there's a lot of work here to be done, teasing out what you feel like you should do, right? And what you feel like you want to do and holding space for that. I think sometimes beating ourselves up for our feelings is, it's not productive. You know I mean? It's not productive. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. So um, those are some initial tentative ideas. Most of all, I just really think compassion for yourself and empathy for yourself and holding that space in your community as best you can is really important. What about you? <laughs> Thanks. Big breath. I I agree 100%. I think you nailed it on the head with the priority has to always be health first. And I think when in your question, when you're asking us this question, it was you're very much so telling us that that is your priority and that's the number one. And I don't think even within the context of all the things that we've talked about on this podcast, I don't think it's wrong to want to change your body. And we've both said that very me- a lot. So, for example, if you want to exercise so that you can see your muscles more or you want to be bigger or you want to have bigger legs or whatever, like, I think that's absolutely fine. I don't think there's a problem there. The problem that exists is when we think that we have to be and look a certain way because that is what we think we, quote unquote, should be doing. Because society is telling us that because we are always told we need to be smaller and leaner and that's it's better to be that way. You're more worthy. You're more attractive. You will get further in life if you're that way. You'll be esteemed as better overall. Like you're just a better person overall, right? And it's just crazy to me because that's kind of what I perceived. That That's where I got my worth from. Back in the day when I was doing this extreme exercise and extreme dieting, I really thought, and I think that this is really where a lot of people, they still have this mindset around it, is that's where your worth lies. That's whether, I mean, that whether you're smart or not, like that's, you're more smart if you're thinner, you're you're more determined, you ha- you're a more valuable member of society. And if you're on a diet, that's the way it, you know, if, if you're not on a diet, it's sort of like, well, why aren't you? And so I think that that is something that we are trying to bring awareness to and to help women see that they don't have to fight their bodies to get to something that is not natural or health healthy for them in order to achieve this status, this worth and Ultimately, it doesn't leave you fulfilled or happy. Ultimately, it just leaves you in this temporary state of, oh, I did this. And then you're still miserable, <laughs> right? Because you're either underfed, now you're sick, you're you're having to do extreme behaviors to maintain that. And so we're trying to bring awareness to that with everything we do. However, it doesn't mean that if you 
want to change your body, that, that you should feel shame for that on the opposite end, on the opposite side. And I think that these are feelings and emotions that we very much so have. And even when you're as far gone from the dieting culture as Stephanie and I are, we still deal with those thoughts, right? We still deal with that. I think a lot of people think that you come to the other side, quote unquote, other side, and you're sort of, it's like, ah, the you know, the angels sing and you have all this perfect balance and now you just you get it and you don't you're not a victim to those (laughs) the social media posts and the and I I'm not as yes I'm not as swayed by that stuff anymore I have intentionally removed it from my life but that doesn't mean that I don't or that Stephanie doesn't have these thoughts or these struggles or these impulses and so I think, one, it's what you do when those things occur. You know, you can talk through that to yourself. You can see where are those impulses coming from? Why do I have this desire? Is this truly a desire? Because I want to do it for myself and I want to change my body and its health. Like I'm going to, of course, maintain. I know that my my worth isn't in my weight or my ability to lose weight. My health is going to always remain my priority. Or is it because I just saw this ad or this movie and it sort of created this impulse now for me to to lose weight quickly or to look like this person. And so I think it's always important just to be aware of those. Never feel shame for what you are feeling or thinking. And if the intuitive eating community doesn't resonate with you anymore, you can you can change that. You can stop following them. I think that the principles are really, really awesome. And for the majority of people, a lot of people will learn and glean a lot from that. And just in general, like how to learn how to eat again you know so we women in general we have been so programmed to externally control our food and to really take our food and put it in a box and so intuitive eating is all about Again, like you said, honoring your hunger and your fullness and not making these abstract and very sometimes odd and stuff that doesn't make sense, these restrictions around food and allowing yourself to engage with them because the majority of women are on a binge restrict cycle. They are restricting food, then they overeat food, and it's just this never-ending cycle. And I think that all those principles are really, really great for teaching women how to learn to eat again and honor their bodies and to eat in a way that's right for them. But at the same time, I don't think you should be feeling shame in any way for wanting to change your body or to if you have truly come to this place where you're saying, I get it, like I'm here. I I don't think my worth is in my body size, but I do have this desire to change my body. I don't think that that's wrong and that you should feel shame for that. You just have to figure out now what it is that you want to do with that information and how you want to move forward. And if you do choose to move forward by tracking your caloric intake to make sure that you're always eating enough and you're kind of maybe tweaking a little bit with your macros, in other words, saying, hmm, how am I going to feel if I eat a little bit lower carbohydrate or how am I going to feel if I eat higher carbohydrate? I think that that's important. I think that's part, I, I think you can absolutely weave in the intuitive eating principles within that without being by the book intuitive eating. And I think that that's one of the problems that we have with any sort of protocol or principles or, you know, guidelines is that if we go outside of those guidelines, we feel like something's wrong with us and it's okay to go outside of those guidelines. 
I've mentioned before, like, I don't always eat intuitively. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's okay for me. I don't think that I that I need to. At the same time, I may intentionally shift things or eat in a specific way because I know that that's what makes me feel my best. I don't have a medical diagnosis for gluten or dairy, but I'm not going to eat it. You know, (laughs) I'm going to happily restrict it because I don't really want to feel like crap, right? So I think that, you know, we have to take all of these. There's things that we can learn from all these different approaches, and we can leave behind the things that don't work for us without feeling guilt or shame. That is the whole, like, get rid of the diet culture, right? It's like, we can we can say, oh, I don't have to do that, and I'm still cool. Like, I can do it, and it works in my way. And I think that that's an important piece to to take from anything, even our approach, like in our book, you know, like if that doesn't work for you, then that's cool. Like we're not saying you're doing it wrong and we want you to do it in the way that works best for you. So moving forward, if you do want to track your macros and your calories and make sure that you are eating enough, give it a try. And if you start to feel yourself getting a little restricty and it starts to not work for you, then let it go. And don't do Getting it. Restricty. It's been a long time since we've said that. <laughs> I know. One. I know. That, I'm pretty sure that was a Stephanieism. <laughs> but yeah, if you feel if you feel yourself getting that, you know, those pulls and those, uh, and you get wrapped up in your weight and all that kind of stuff, and and how your clothes are fitting, then then stop. You know, you have you can always stop, and you can always say, you know what, it's just not that's not right for me. That's not what's going to be the thing that helps me here, and it's not going to bring me health or joy or happiness long term. You may find that oh, doing this gently and tracking for a little bit, and then doing that intuitively, letting go of that tracking, and and intuitively maybe eating lower carb or maybe eating a little higher carb or whatever. You may find that you can then do that without the tracking and and you feel a lot better and have a lot more energy. And, I, you know, if you feel great not eating gluten and vegetable oils, then experiment with removing that and see if you, I don't know, like if, if, if you, again, restricty, I'm trying to figure out a different word for it, but that's it. If, you, if you're taking out gluten and vegetable oils and you, and you don't feel restricty and you feel great, then keep doing that because I can do that very healthfully. I have never had a problem not eating gluten. I've never felt like, oh, here we go. Um, I can't eat gluten and all I, oh, I just really want that cupcake. I've never felt that way. But that's because I've also done those restrictions and taken those foods out of my life after feeling after no, you know, taking the information and knowing that it makes me feel better and it's what works for me. And also I, I did a lot of those changes too after a lot of work, which you have done. You know, you have done that work and you know that it's not about body size and weight loss and all that kind of stuff. It's about health and how you feel. So do you. You do you. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I, I really I, I really like what you said. I I could probably talk about this more, but we've almost been talking for an hour and we've done one question. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay, let's see if we can get one more in. Question number two is from Kirsten. Hey, I had HA for many years. About one and a half years ago, I got my period back by stopping any intense training and gaining about 20 pounds. I'm now overweight. Last time I weighed myself, I was overweight is in quotations, by the way. Last time I weighed myself was over a year ago, and I know I've definitely put on some weight since then. However, I don't weigh myself, so I can't tell exactly how much. I've been really okay with the weight gain. I have accepted myself the way I am, and I continue continue to eat really freely. I have no dietary restrictions, but my meals consist of mostly veggies, rice or potato, and lots of meats. I eat a few snacks like protein bars or cookies a day, and 
a half, about two glasses of wine per week. After a year and a half of cycles regularly, I got the idea to try to shed a little bit of fat. I'm okay with myself for the most part, but I've developed really uneven-looking skin on my stomach that I would like to reduce. Yes, I admit to look better. I haven't tracked my calories for ages, but decided to do so to see where I'm currently at and maybe cut back on a few hundred. Turns out I'm eating way more than I thought. My daily average is around 25 to 2,600 calories, which is the amount I eat totally intuitively without trying to control anything blows my mind when I hear women say they they eat under 1600 calories as I don't even know how that's possible. I tried to cut calories to keep them around 2200 to 2300, but I have to say it's hard for me. I'm wondering why do I need so much food? I work out three to four hours a week doing mostly light bodyweight training, no hit, and I do hit 10,000 steps a day. That's pretty much all the activity I do. So when I hear people doing CrossFit six times per week and eating under 2000 calories, I just don't know how it's possible. I'm not sure how to go about it. My diet is nutrient-dense, and while I do eat some chocolate and or a protein bar most days, most of my foods are really whole foods, so the quality should be good. She gives us her macros, which is she does eat about 200 to 250 grams of carbs a day. I would like to reduce some belly fat. Now, it's not tied to my self-worth. I know that I am an awesome person and a badass, even just for overcoming something as tough as HA, which is hypothalamic amenorrhea which is the um, absence of a period. I'm not planning to weigh myself or measure my fat percentage frequently, but I would like to look a little leaner in my midsection. Thanks for your thoughts. This is very interesting. I've often, I've often wondered how many calories I eat per day, and I so badly really want to know and so badly really, <laughs> really don't, don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I know it. I was actually thinking about this reading this question. I was like, maybe I should try to figure it out. <laughs> I don't or know. Or not. Or not. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think this is actually really cool. I, I think it's really cool. You have a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. It sounds like your comfort in your skin is genuine. And like your efforts to tinker with your calories aren't pathological, right? It seems like it's it's pretty healthy. So if you're eating 2,500 calories a day and your body is maintaining the weight that you're at, then yeah, if you want to lose weight, you're you're going to have to reduce calories or add exercise. But as you've said, adding exercise does negative things to your you know, your health and your cycle. And so, so I'm really I'm not sure there's a way around it. I was actually thinking today about how I was a lower weight for about five years. Ever since I put weight back on. There have been many, many times where I've gone through a similar phase as you are right now thinking like, oh, maybe I could tinker a little bit and just lose a little bit of weight. And it's been eight years and I my body has never, ever budged except for a couple of times when there's been a brief dip. And that's just, this is where I am if I want to eat in a way in which I'm satisfied all, all or most of the time. And if I want to be a little bit leaner, I'm probably going to have to be one of those people who likes to have a bit of a edge of hunger in my day all the time. And I know people who are like that. And I'm not sure if I want to be like that because it takes willpower and I want my willpower for other things. Well, I'm serious. I know. I agree completely. <laughs> Fully serious. Don't have the and, mental capacity to do that. I just, yeah. Yeah. So that's a trade-off. There are like, so then I would say, okay, if you don't want to do that, then you can try tweaking some other things, right? You can try supplementing with different kinds of vitamins to see if they'll boost your metabolism a little bit. Or you could try 
and by different, what, what would I put in that mix? Probably a whole host of B vitamins, like a B vitamin complex, maybe vitamin D, maybe some magnesium. Again, B vitamins tend to be energy producing and in that sense could be a little bit appetite suppressing. You could always try adding coffee because that's a appetite suppressant, <laughs> bulletproof coffee. You could always try adding some coffee. You could try some vitamin D because that helps with everything. Magnesium, of course, is helpful with insulin stuff and the like. So those are a few things you could try. Also, collagen peptides. If uh, I don't know. My personal experience was I mentioned some dips, and one of those dips I had was when I was taking collagen peptides. I don't know why. This is not scientific. That's a very personal anecdote. These are just like things you could try tweaking. You could try shuffling your macros around. Maybe eat all your carbs later in the day and keep it to perfectly fat and protein in the earlier parts of the day. You could try doing that and see if that makes any kind of a difference. Uh, you could also try reducing your carbs if that feels comfortable for you. You were talking about abdominal fat. And for some people, abdominal fat is really highly correlated with carbohydrate intake. That's not the same for everybody, but it is for some people. So these are some things you could try tweaking, but ultimately there, there may not, there may not be a thing. Uh, I, I would definitely, you know, play with them if you feel like it, but there may not be a thing. Yeah, you can just look at this really objectively, which is what Steph just did, which I love that, which is like, well, you could start doing those things again and lose weight. And then you may feel really crappy or you may lose your period. Right. And so if you just look at it for what it is, which is like, I could do this again. Right. And I think Steph's you even kind of talked about this, too, which is I always have the power to to restrict and to lose weight. If that's what I want to do, I can do that. But do I actually want to do that? When I am on the other side of that, what does that life look like? And is it worth it? it you have to weigh the costs and the benefits of, do I want to deal with the skin, the skin on my midsection? Or do I want to have my period? And maybe it's not that black and white. And maybe there are some tweaks that you can do, right? Maybe you can try just adding in one hit workout a week and seeing how you feel, but maintaining your calories and maintaining your carbs, right? So that's just a small little shift that you can do to see if that helps your muscles to show a little bit more. If, if you maybe add in a weight training session, to, that could be something that you could do, maybe a little bit more high intensity. So maybe more max effort a weight training. You could try that just adding in one a week and seeing how you do and maintaining your calories and then intuitive eating and not changing anything else. Or you could try not doing that and instead shifting your carbohydrate intake. So maybe seeing how you feel reducing your carbs and upping your fat, maintaining your calorie intake, maintaining the intuitive eating, the eating freely, but shifting your focus to a little bit more fat. And so those are little tweaks that you can do. And as you do those tweaks, just be aware of the changes that are going on in your body, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. But if you just take a step back and look at it objectively, it's, it's well, I can get this. I've been there. I can get this, this thing, which is weight loss, which is neither good nor bad. It's not bad for you to be weigh less unless you're unhappy and unhealthy at that weight, right? You can be healthy at a variety of weights and shapes. So people can be weigh less than you and they're fine and that's healthy and people can weigh more than you and that's fine and that's healthy. So weight is sort of think of it as neutral and objective in this situation, which is while my weight can be on a variety in a variety of places, but what happens when that weight shifts? So it's like on a scale and it starts to shift down 
to, you know, a lower weight, what are the changes that happen? Are you, you you know, do you start to feel a little restricting, which we're going to see a lot in this podcast, apparently? Do you start to feel those impulses come out? Do you start to, is your mental and emotional health compromise, compromised? Do you start to think about food more? Do you start to feel the impulse to lose more weight? Because that's a real thing, right? Do you start to not feel as happy or less joyful? Or does your libido change? Do you, what is exactly, do your periods start to get a little bit spotty? And then you come back to your, what I would say is your kind of natural set point right now. And you're where you are. And what are the things, what are those things that change? You know, you start to eat freely. You're more relaxed. You enjoy your health. You're a little bit more joyful. But yeah, you do have skin on your stomach that you don't necessarily love. Or maybe you're not as lean or as muscular as you would like. And so ultimately, the decision is up to you and what you want to do. And I think that it's always up to anybody what they want to do and where they want to be and how they want to live, right? And so you just have to kind of look at it objectively. And I think that you are doing that. And I think that that's a really important place to be because the resounding thing here is health is first, right? Health, mental, emotional, physical health is first and foremost. And so when the things that you are doing start to compromise that, that is when you ditch it. And that's personally what I would recommend for everybody because I think that we grossly underestimate how our decisions around food and fitness impact our mental and emotional and our physical health. Um, I, obviously, the world loves to say that eating less and exercising more is going to make us more healthy and more happy and all that stuff. But I think that we grossly underestimate just how ne the negative impact that it can have, right? And so... Yeah, just take a step back, look at it objectively, and don't give it any anything any more weight than the other. Respect the fact that you, and honor the fact that you do have those thoughts of like, oh, I'd, I'd like to change my stomach. I don't think that, again, you don't need to feel shame for that. That's not wrong. It's not better to look a certain way. It's not worse to look another way. So just keep that objective, too. Um, but if it's something that you want to do, then then that's okay, too. You don't need to feel shame for that. And I've talked about my experience, too, with like, hey, I have stretch marks on my stomach, and I'm going to do the things to not have the stretch marks, right? When I'm growing and my stomach is growing, I'm going to use special stretch oils and try to prevent that from happening because I want my skin to look, you know, softer and, and not have those tiger stripes. Do I have tiger stripes? Yes. Do I think that they're somehow wrapped up in my worth and that if I get them, I'm not worthy enough and not attractive? Absolutely not. But it is something that I'm going to do. If I have a, a photo shoot or I have a trip coming up, going to Palm Beach or whatever, am I going to potentially get a spray tan <laughs> or get my hair done or whatever? Are you? <laughs> I didn't actually. I thought about it because <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in a long time. Okay. Okay. But, you know, am I, this is a, just another way of looking at it. Am I going to do those things to potentially make me feel better? Yes. But do I think that my worth is wrapped up in looking tanner and having a really good haircut? No, but I like the way I feel when I do those things. So I don't feel shame for wanting to, to look quote unquote better or look my best. And I think that that's how we have to look at it and understand that we don't have to feel shame for wanting to change certain things about our bodies. But when it starts to compromise our health and we are doing things because we feel like we should and that's where our value lies, that's that's the where the problem lies. And 99% of the time, that's why women are making changes. And that's really, really unfortunate because as we've talked about many times here, it just leads to a 
you down the path of unhappiness and this you know this destination mentality it's like when you get there you realize that nothing about your life has really changed and you don't really feel all that better and in fact you're kind of craving more change and more weight loss and all the things and and yeah it's just it's it's a really toxic and (laughs) unhappy unhappy thing for you especially if it compromises your health which for most women it really does it really does it's you cannot underestimate the stress of just the the mental turmoil of trying to cut your calories and force yourself all that willpower that stuff was you know channeling all your willpower towards trying to stay on the wagon especially when you have a lot of other things that you want to put your willpower towards this podcast is brought to you by thrive market an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health foods and natural products, including non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, baby and kids items, and so much more at 10 to 50% below retail prices. They can offer these prices because they cut out the middleman and ship products directly to you. They also have their own Thrive Market brand, which offers everything from organic virgin coconut oil to grass-fed collagen peptides, all the way to eco-friendly, chlorine-free, disposable diapers, which my daughter wears, by the way, at incredibly affordable prices. To get 25% off your first purchase, head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. That's 25% off on top of the discounts you already get on Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Question number three is from Carly. Hey, ladies, I found your podcast a year ago and can tell you how much I look forward to a new episode every Tuesday. I originally found your podcast when I started to dabble in paleo, and I got so much more than that. You truly opened my eyes to a world where there is more than just the number on the scale. You two have helped me discover body positivity and have altered my perception completely on what body uh, positive body image means. So thank you. I have quite the history of chronic dieting and disordered eating going back as far as I can remember. My first diet was very young when I joined Weight Watchers with my mom. I know, so sad. It's been 20 years of losing and gaining the the same 40 pounds. My turning point came when I first tried keto last year. I felt great initially, but after a month, I got very sick with IBS. Seemed like every time I ate, I would run to the bathroom all day long, which doesn't, it doesn't help that I don't have a gallbladder and my body was screaming at me. It was also... An insanely stressful year with my with being a new mom and my husband had multiple major surgeries and was in and out of the hospital. I'm assuming the high fat and too much stress was wrecking havoc on my body. That is when I discovered paleo in your podcast and it opened my eyes to body positivity and other leaders of that movement. I decided I was so over this way of living and vowed to give up restriction and dieting forever and put all of my efforts into cultivating a positive body image. And I did. But in the process, I went from major restriction to total effort mode, meaning I started eating all the things, all the things I had restricted for so long, ice cream, pizza, Chinese food, all of it. Six months in, I was feeling horrible again, sluggish, tired, depressed. I don't have a scale, but I know my body changed. None of my clothes fit. I was cranky all the time. I decided I really needed to figure out how to maintain some kind of balance. So I started working out again and eating whole foods in an effort to just feel better, not change my body, but also allow myself to eat whatever I truly wanted. 
I gravitate towards lower-carb, higher-fat meals, focus on simple meals of high-quality meats with a side of vegetables. I do zero tracking. I definitely am not in ketosis by any means, but I just love all the avocados and coconut and fatty meats. After a few months of this, I noticed my body changing, clothes fitting differently, and immediately thought, oh, I like this. I had some thoughts creep back in regarding restriction. I could feel myself wanting more of this change. I started to notice auto-tracking in my head. My question is, how do I navigate changing my eating and working out habits without heading back down the path of restriction? Is it possible to eat lower carb in general if I know that it's what makes me feel my best with a history of disordered eating? Or am I just setting myself up to slide back down the path of chronic dieting? She says, I don't want to live in a world where my social life is dictated by my eating style. My husband and I love to go to breweries. Is it possible to eat lower carb in my daily life, but then have days where I just don't care? Or is it just going to start an underlying restrict and binge pattern? Feel the internal battle between wanting to change my body, even though I know this is just a side effect of living in a culture being bombarded by the diet industry and trying to, at the same time, to accept the one that I have and treat it with respect. I thought I had gotten this through this and taken steps forward only to find myself headed back down the path I left behind. Thanks again for all you do. Very cool. I think we can, I can probably, I can address this pretty quickly. I think, yes, it is possible to do these things. It is possible to eat lower carb much of the time. And then as you say, and Noel did not read, not give a F on the other days. <laughs> I think that that is actually a really good approach to this sort of thing, because you already have experience. You fell into lower carb because you liked it and you felt good. And those are two awesome reasons to eat a particular way. And another okay reason depending is how your body looks when you do it. And so I would encourage you to just really focus on how you feel. And anytime you start having thoughts about your body, especially if they're negative, but also more or less if they're positive, just sort of brush them under the rug and say, I, I don't need to be thinking about this. It's not important. My body is a size that I have historically felt comfortable at and I currently feel comfortable at it's in that range and I am going to continue to eat how I feel good and then yes go do whatever on the weekends or some other day I think that that actually is fantastic that's the kind of eating that I personally do I mean I'm eating a lot of bread and cheese right now like a lot of bread and cheese right now but generally speaking in my day-to-day life I eat things that I know are nourishing to my body and then when other stuff comes along I'm like yeah life is short let's eat it up and that's a privilege because I don't have an autoimmune disease but anyway I think I think that if this is this seems to be physically healthy for you and it seems like it has the potential to be mentally healthy so long as you can sort of get rid of this worry about what it what it means for you and just let yourself do what what feels good and and shut off everything you can that directs you to your body image. Yeah, and I'll just round this out by saying it's never wrong to feel a certain way and you're never going to reach this point where it's just all perfect, right? And so it's never I, I think you you had this really cool pivotal point in your relationship with food where you said I'm going to let go of all this stuff. And you kind of ate everything and you learn and it, what you did was not wrong. There's no wrong way to do food, right? You can when you're eating in a way that is right for you and you're following your intuition, 
great. But also if you're not doing that and you're learning a really interesting thing, which is I feel really crappy eating all those things. You didn't do anything wrong by doing that. Like, I kind of get that from your question, which is, well, I ate all these things and now I feel like crap. And so I feel like maybe you look back on that with shame and it you don't need to. You learned, a re- I think that was a pivotal moment in your journey, in your relationship with food, which it's always going to be dynamic and changing and, and evolving and growing. But for you, that was really, and I think a lot of people have this moment where they just say, I'm stopping all of this crap. I'm not going to do this anymore to myself. And some people last longer than others, but for you, it lasted six months and you came to this realization, which is, I don't really feel that good eating all this stuff. So in other words, you've realized the foods you put on a pedestal and you restricted for so long really don't make you feel all that well. And you don't, you can have them in your life, but you don't need to eat them 24 seven, right? And so I think that that's a really important thing, lesson to learn because we've all had those lessons where we, just say, okay, I'm going to eat all the ice cream. Okay, I'm going to eat all the almond butter. And then we eat it and we're like, this sucks. I don't want this anymore. Like, what was I, why did I think this was great? And so, um, you know, you get to that point and then from here, from here, now you can build a sort of diet or food protocol or whatever you want to call it, guidelines, an eating style that is right for you, which I think, yes, has to weave in this baseline, this ground root, what do we want to call it? Foundational, this foundation, these foundational guidelines of health first. My worth is not in my body size. It's okay for my body size to vacillate. And I'm going to just eat in a way that is right for me, that makes me feel good, that promotes health for me, and not feel guilt or shame if I don't do it in some specific box or in some specific way. And so from there, you can build on that. And yeah, you're going to have times where you feel like, oh gosh, am I doing this wrong? I should I should just go back to what I was doing before and be really restrictive. And gosh, she looks so quote unquote good and I want to look like her. So I should just go back to doing what I was doing before. And I didn't work out enough this week. And oh gosh, maybe I should just get back on that train and really push myself and make myself get into the gym. And you're going to have those thoughts and it's okay. Just talk through that with yourself. Figure out where they're coming from. What's the motivation behind it? And prioritize health first and your mental... And when I say health, I'm talking about... Because that can be a little gray too, right? Because we can say, well, working out is healthy. Not all the time, right? And so you have to prioritize your physical, mental, and your emotional health. And if something, the things you're choosing are good for all of those three things, then I think it's safe to say, hmm, I can maybe move forward and try this. And so from here, it's okay. Yeah, do do that. Eat lower-ish carb and then have days where you don't. And that's cool, Like that, to me, that is life. That is how most people who aren't stuck in this diet culture, that's how they live, right? They, they generally eat in a way that makes them feel good. And uh, people who I would say in the holistic health community who aren't always like stuck on a diet, that's how I live. You know, that's, I'm I'm eating foods and I'm intentionally choosing foods that are going to make me feel really good. And then I may have a day where I eat a lot of packaged stuff or I'm eating Simple Mills brownies or whatever. And the next day I'm like, okay, I can go back to doing what I was doing before because I don't feel that great or I feel a little sluggish or whatever. And so, yeah, that's it. You've kind of figured it out. And I think that that's totally fine. And you don't have to overthink it from here. You can do what's right for you and what feels best for you. And sometimes that's lower carb and other times it's not. And that's okay. So... Any other closing thoughts, Stephanie? Bye. <laughs> Thanks for 
Thanks for being here. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at wellfedwomen. We will have lots of great inter- we have lots of great interviews coming up, so we'll be posting uh, call for questions on there. So make sure to follow us. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>